the last several weeks, we've been uh, dealing with a series that we're calling Good News. And we started, of course, with God. Where else would we start? Uh, and we plan on finishing that way as well. So, uh, But the uh, the second message had to do with forgiveness, and the third message had to do with Judgment Day. And today, the good news is death. Good news today is death. Now that sounds like I didn't know what I was thinking when I did this. So uh, the Holy Spirit and I will try to prove you wrong in that as we uh, go into this today. Death is probably the most significant event in our lives that we spend more time worrying about and concerning ourselves about um, because it's one of those things that there's no way of avoiding. We're all going to physically uh, do that eventually one way or another. It's a melancholy subject. We go to funerals. Uh, someone, one in our family has passed away uh, and we uh, celebrate their life. We do a number of things that uh, are surrounded by death, and death is separation, death is loss, death is sad, and it's melancholy, it's, it's tragic. It creates a lot of discord in our lives, uh, as those that we people we know, uh, people whom we've respected, you know, it might be a famous person, a, a political person, or a or an entertainment person that's passed away, uh, and we feel personal loss. Death. Let's talk about death today and see why we can say the good news today is concerning death, because that's the title of the message. And let's pray as the Lord provides his wisdom in the topic uh, that we have before us today. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now and praise you and ask that you would just open our minds and hearts uh, to this subject. This subject that's so very, very important. One of the very foundations of our faith, the faith that you've given to us, uh, is surrounded uh, by this topic. And so we just ask now that we have a good insight uh, to what you have before us today. Uh, and we thank you and praise you for that insight in Jesus' name. Amen. In Second Timothy uh, chapter nine, uh, pardon me, chapter one, uh, verses nine through eleven. Let me read to you: Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and have brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And this is Timothy writing. And so the I there is Timothy. But the point we want to make right at the beginning is that's the heart of this message today is in verse 10. Because death has been abolished and has brought life and immortality 
to light through the gospel. That's the found the foundation plank of our faith. Right there. It's all found right there. Now there's a number of things that we can say about it, but that is the very foundation of our faith. And without this particular plank, without this foundation, uh, <clears throat> our faith is in vain, isn't it? Uh, this Christianity business is a waste of time, uh, many would say, and many do say, as we reach out and touch the world with what we know, with what we truly believe, uh, how foolishness it is, how foolish this is. This is a terrible, foolish thing. What a, what a scam is being, uh, perpetrated upon millions upon millions of people. And yet, we wonder, we who stand on that plank, we who stand on that foundation, are still concerned about that word death. Death has been taken. Death has been conquered. The final victory is victory over death. And we know, without a shadow of doubt, we know that God is there and that when we also pass away, when we die, when we taste death, that we are going to be with him, living with him for all eternity. That's the plank. That's the foundation. And yet, we still have that problem. There's still that slight inkling of doubt. It's there. What can we do? What can we do? We're going to talk about what we can do today because it is so important. It touches all of us. Every single one of us in the room has lost someone to death. We've lost congregate members uh, in this congregation here uh, to death. They're no longer here. And we've suffered loss. Uh, the speaker in, in Shirley's, or I say Shirley's, uh, in the, in the ladies luncheon in March is going to be focused on that. There's going to be a, a very strong portion of what she has to say, uh, concerning the personal loss that she has felt. And she, we touched on that in the announcements this morning. Uh, new ladies want to be here. Shirley lost her mother. I lost my mother. Most of us are orphans. Many of us are orphans in the room. Most of us. I'm looking at Bob now and he's not. <laughs> Rosemary's still here. Uh, <laughs> praise God that she is. Wonderful lady that she is. But we've suffered loss. We've suffered that loss. We've been to the funeral. What happened? They're gone. And gone forever. And there's nothing that's going to bring them back to me and that suffering of loss is a personal loss and that's what hurts that's what's really the hard part because even though we know and we know where Shirley's mother is we know where my mother is we know without a shadow of a doubt where our parents are where where others that we have lost are they are at the very footstool of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are in the throne room of heaven 
uh, to spend an eternity with God the Father. That's the plank. That's the foundation. That's what we believe. And that's what Jesus has come to provide for us. But the loss is still there. We no longer have Marion. That's Shirley's mother's name. We no longer have Alice. That's my mother. We no longer, and you know, stick some names in there. You've got them. We all have them. And when we think about them, we still miss them. It still hurts when we really spend some time. Gee, I sure wish my mom was here. I wish my grandmother was here. I was very close to my grandmother, Isabel. Praise the Lord. I know where she is. Praise the Lord. I know where she is. That's the good news. That's the good news. But let's look at death uh, as it exists uh, today. And think about this, because this is, touches all of us. Death is the great enemy of humanity, has been the great enemy of humanity. Death has been a robber. I've been, I've, my mother has been taken away. She, I've, she's been stolen. She's gone. You know, stick a name in there. You know what I'm talking about. Death has been a despoiler of human hope and life. Death has been a grim reaper. And we've heard that grim reaper story over and over again. Sometimes we even laugh at the idea of a grim reaper. Death has carried dear ones into an undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns. That's Shakespeare. Death has conquered the great. Death has conquered the strong. Death has conquered the wise. Death has conquered the wealthy. Death has conquered. Death, because of this, and these are all true facts, because death is that strong, death is king. Death is town to mount. Death is certain. The experience of death is certain. We don't know when for ourselves. We don't know when. We don't know when for our loved ones. Death may come in infancy. It can come in youth. It can come in the prime of life. And we talked about a young man that died getting ready to graduate from high school and fell off of his skateboard and was dead. Our helmet ministry. How many lives have been saved uh, because of the helmet ministry. And we could also go back and say, well, because of the death of this young man, this young man, his name was Sean, uh, <clears throat> uh, lives have been touched and saved and turned around uh, because of the helmet ministry that was put in place in his honor. It's been said that death is the <laughs> final frontier. Final, because it's over. You know, that's what final means. Final, it's over. My life is over. I left the Marine Corps some, golly, how many years ago is that? Uh, it's over. I'm no longer a Marine. I can no longer wear the uniform legally. So I wear a pin. There it is. <clears throat> but I'm always a Marine. I still step off with my left foot. Always. You see me when I, from a standing position, I almost always step off with my left foot. 
That's military training. When I hear the Marine Corps hymn, I'm ready to stand up and salute. I think military time. If you ask me what time it is in the afternoon, my brain says 1300, and then I have to translate it for you and say it's one o'clock. I'm still a Marine. I'm not wearing the uniform. I don't have the active duty card, but I'm still a Marine. I'll always be a Marine. Life goes on after I'm no longer here. Life goes on for me after I'm no longer here. Life goes on for you after you're no longer here. We suffered loss. Our grandson, Jeremiah, and many of you have met Jeremiah, basically because of our family situation, lived in our house a good part of his young life. And almost like my fourth son. And then he moved to Connecticut. We suffered loss. I was set, and, and being the age that I am, and this didn't happen that long ago, just a few years ago, and being the age that I, I was afraid I would never see my grandson, Jeremiah, again. Connecticut, 3,000 miles away. I felt lost. But praise the Lord, he moved back. His mother finally got smart and left that snow-capped Connecticut and came back to California. And Jeremiah is now living in our house again. <laughs> kind of interesting. And we'll, that's another story. But he came back. And the, the point that we're making here is that he returned. But death is different than that. Death is, he'll never return. Sean will never return to the Clarks. But Sean lives on because of the ministry. Because they know, and Sean was a wonderful Christian young man, and Sean is in the hands of Jesus. That's the good news. That's the good news. And the good news is that we have the opportunity of sharing that with the world. What's good about death? What's good about death? I find this very interesting because in Genesis uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 15, the Lord God placed man in the Garden of Eden as its gardener. To tend and to care for it. But the Lord gave the man this warning. You may eat of any fruit of the, in the garden except the fruit from the tree of conscience. For it is the fruit will open your eyes to make you aware of right and wrong, good and bad. If you eat its fruit, you will be doomed to die. Original sin. We all know the story. And I find it very interesting That's verse 17. And then in verse 18, and then right away it says, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I'm going to paraphrase the rest of it. So let's give him a woman. Let's give him Eve. But as we know, Adam did eat. God said, you will be doomed to die. 
You will surely die, King James says. Separation from God. That's sin. That's the power of sin. The most powerful force in the world is sin. Think about it. The most powerful force in the world is sin, save the very power of God himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 2. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 12, reads this way, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Since by his blood he did all of this for us as sinners, how much more will he do for us now that he has declared us not guilty? Now he will save us from all of God's wrath to come. And since when uh, we were his enemies, we were brought back to God by death of his son, what blessings he must have for us now that we are his friends and he is giving, that he is living uh, with us. Now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Are you rejoicing today? Did you rejoice yesterday? I know it's Sunday, so you have to rejoice on Sunday. It's a holy day of obligation, right? Are you rejoicing today because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for your sins, for our sins, making us the very friends of God? That we too, with great assurance, absolute assurance, know that when we draw our last breath here, that we'll be drawing our first breath there for eternity. It's a word we don't understand. Nobody understands forever. Forever is never forever. Forever in physical terms is never. You never get to forever. Everything dissipates. Everything dies. Everything I mean, even mountains erode. It's all gone. When Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, sin entered into the human race. Sin spread death throughout all the world. And as you go through the genealogy, I mean, what happened to Cain and Abel? What happened with Cain and Abel? That's the next generation, isn't it? They no sooner got out of the garden and I'm not going to, we can't talk about the, uh, the, chrono- the chronology of that, but almost stepped out of the garden. They had their children, and what do we have? Well, we, there's a commandment we really did take care of, isn't it? Cain killed Abel. Murdered. Planned it. Did it. Blood on his hands. The whole business. Sin. The power of sin. The good news concerning death is inseparately associated with the coming of Jesus. There's no good news without Jesus. There's no good news without God. God is the good news. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He didn't come to condemn you. 
He came to point out your sin to you, perhaps, and provide you the magic antidote, if I can put it that way, the magic pill, and we're all into pills now. Everybody is a a chemical junkie of one kind or another. Where's the Excedrin? I've got this little headache. Where's the, you know, et cetera, and so on. I don't tell you how many pills I take. We can we can match horror stories. Well, I, I do how many you do in the morning, and then you do a couple in the afternoon, and then how many you do just before bed. You know, I've got, never mind. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It makes me depressed. What's the good news about death? What was that? got a pill for that too. I got a pill for that. They had, they do, don't they? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. let me write that down. I'll put that the next time I preach this message. There we go. Christ entered the realm of death in order that he might destroy the power of death. We go back to Genesis chapter 2, you shall surely die, the penalty for sin, the penalty for eating of the tree, which was the original sin, was to, is death. And that carried through genealogically. And then Ad, or pardon me, Abel did his thing. David did them all, uh, and so on and so on. And, and we don't want to go into all of that today, for sure. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 say this, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. The power of death is in the devil. The power of life is in the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to give you life, in order to pay the price for your sin, Jesus was willing to physically die for you. Think about that. Here's an eternal being. In the beginning, God created. Genesis chapter 1. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word is God, and the Word created everything that was created. And we know that the Word in John chapter 1 is Jesus Christ. Very beginning, Jesus Christ was with the Father. He spent all of eternity past with the Father. Jesus and the Father have always been together until Bethlehem. When Jesus was born of Mary and became a physical person and he had to deal with a relationship with the Father in basically the same way in which you and I are expected to do so. If you go through very carefully and read the, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's on his knees, metaphorically, he's praying all of the time. Who's he praying Two, he's praying to the Father. Praying to the Father for whatever it is that he's about to do. Praying for you. Praying for me. Praying for those people around him chronologically in those three years that he was ministering physically. Praying. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying. A little bit of humanistic prayer right there because, hey, I just as soon not do this. Now, I know what it's going to be tomorrow and I just as soon not do tomorrow. And if there's a plan B, if you've been thinking of something else while I'm down here, 
uh, my paraphrase. You'll never find the scripture for this one. But, but read that into the prayer of the Gethsemane. I just as soon we go to another plan. But, not my will, said Jesus, the physical man, not my will, but thine be done. And then what happens? Immediately he gets rested, he's tried, found guilty, <clears throat> beat up to the point that he didn't even look like a human being, nailed to the cross, died on the cross, died for you and for me, for your sins and my sins, for all sins, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. So loved the world. Christ entered the realm of death in order that he might destroy the power of the devil and the power of death. The power of death is now gone. We don't need to fear death. Death is a fact. Death is going to happen unless, of course, rapture occurs before. And we'll talk about rapture another day. If the Jesus comes again, as Thessalonians speaks of, then we might not taste physical death. We don't exactly know how we're going to transfer from the physical being to the spiritual being. That's not our problem. That's God's problem. He'll work it out. God so loved the world that he gave his son in order that you might have life, in order that I might have life. That's how much he loves you and me. John in Revelation says this, verse 13 uh, of chapter <coughs> uh, 14. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Eternity with the Father. Right there. Eternity with the Father. Eternity with the Father. I came across a song recently, and I'm going to read the lyrics. And every time I read lyrics, I tell you this is a bonus for you because I'm not going to sing them. Uh, And surely, amen. I got an amen person right here in the front row that speaks to this. And the title of the, the hymn, it's a, it's a gospel, old southern gospel hymn. Old, the old account was settled long ago. Well, there was a time on earth when the books of heaven, in the books of heaven that an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. Think about that for yourself. My name was at the top and there were many things below the list of sins. But I went unto the keeper, and I settled it long ago. Long ago, yes, long ago, I settled it all. I said the old account was settled long ago, and my record's clear today. He washed my sins away, and the old account was settled long ago. While the old account was large and growing every day, I was always sinning and never tried to pray. But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe, 
Well, I thought I'd better get it settled. So I settled it long ago. Now, sinners, seek the Lord and repent of all your sins. Because this he commanded if we're going to make it in. And then if you should live 100 years below, you're going to know you got it settled because you settled it long ago. Long ago, yes, long ago, I settled it all. I said the old account was settled long ago and my record's clear today. He done washed my sins away and the old account was settled long ago. There's truth there, isn't there? There's truth in what I read in this, I call it cute, in this, in this cute hymn. Speaks to us volumes in regards to the good news is death. Because death is going to usher me into paradise forever. Death here is going to usher me into the presence of God the Father, God the Son, And of course, I bring the Holy Spirit with me because he's in me right now. And there it is. For when? For a week? For a year? There is no such thing. There's no time. Forever. For all eternity. And the account was settled long ago. When was it settled? It was settled on a cross in Palestine 2,000 plus years Ago, that's when the account was settled. There are those that ask. There are those that ask. Well, what about the people uh, that lived and died before Jesus? Let's talk about Abraham. Let's let's talk about our friend David, who is the personification of sin. You know, good old King David. When Jesus descended into hell for the weekend, he gave. Though everyone that had died before the opportunity of accepting or rejecting him as Savior, just as you have been given that opportunity. There's sadness in my heart when I reach out and touch someone and they won't be touched. It's as though... They're refusing medical help. They're refusing to allow me to give them artificial respiration or or whatever it is to maintain life. They're refusing help. They're refusing help. The account was settled. All they need do is accept. All they need do is accept. And today, this is a really a great day. I'm surprised that the calendar worked out the way it did. Although when the Holy Spirit guides the calendar for me, uh, things like this happen frequently. We have this. Today is Communion Sunday for us. And we're going to celebrate communion. I'm going to ask, Bob, will you help us today? And, uh, oh, uh, Dave, will you help as well? Doug, Doug. Doug sorry. I knew it was a D word. Uh, would you come up and help? Uh, uh, serve the communion because communion gives us the opportunity and when we think about communion we think in terms of do this in remembrance of me 
What are we doing, gentlemen? I'll accept you right now. There we go. We do this. We do this very unceremoniously. And while I'm doing this, while I'm speaking, you can pass it out. Okay. Uh, then we'll all partake together. <clears throat> what is communion? Communion is an opportunity for us to focus upon what we just talked about. Because Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is the New Testament, the new promise, the new covenant in my blood, which is given, which is shed for you. Do this in memory of me. Do this in my place, in remembrance of me. That's what we call it, the memorial table, the Lord's table. He celebrated this with the with the disciples in the upper room the night before the night he was betrayed, the night before he was uh, crucified. The cup that he actually held up and said, "This is the New Testament, the new promise, the new covenant." He took the cup as I'm taking the cup now, and he holds up the cup, and this cup has a name in the Passover meal that they were celebrating. And the name of this cup is redemption, salvation. This is the cup of salvation. This cup is the new promise. I promise you salvation. So as we partake, as we go through this ritual, if we can call it that, we set aside the idea that, well, how many times do I have to do this? As often as we do this, we do this in remembrance of Him. This gives us the opportunity of set aside everything else. Set aside what you had for breakfast. You're not even thinking about anything except the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you in order that you might spend eternity with Him. Let us therefore eat and drink. In the upper room, after this, they sang a hymn. And then what did they do? They went to the garden where Jesus could pray while everybody else was asleep. Where he prayed that prayer, let this cup pass from me. But he took this cup upon himself. And the one that I have on my communion table, I call this the cup of wrath. This is the cup that everyone who rejects ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ and his free gift to them will drink from. The very wrath of God. Separation from God for all of eternity. And that's why we put it on the table and we turn it upside down. Because that's what this does. As I've accepted him... That cup no longer exists for me. That no longer exists for you. For God so loved the world. Not to condemn the world, but the world might be saved. I have a plan for you, saith the Lord. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you. 
and praise you for this wonderful, beautiful day that you've given us. Let us continually, continually focus upon you. Let you let you be forefront in our thoughts all the time. Even the song that we sang. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth mean less and less. Become meaningless in the light of your glory and grace. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, we are doing 540. Save, save, save.